0: Welcome to Role, a podcast looking at defining roles. Each episode, we ask our guests the same five questions as a starting point to help us understand how roles have helped shape who they are today. We're your hosts, Monica fernandez Tranco and Louis Dalton-Gilbert. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website on role.studio.
1: When they search you on the internet and your online presence, you have so many different positions within the art world. But what our first question is, what roles do you define you?
2: Wow, that's a really interesting thing. How do you define what you do by the roles of your position? And I have such an unusual career because, A, it was totally self-made. I've kind of stumbled into it all. I think that everything I do, it comes down to two things. One is the fact I'm a big sister. And my sister's an artist and my mum went to art school. But really, my relationship encouraging my sister as a creative individual... (laughs) and that kind of big sister role, I think I expanded. And I think it really defines my relationship with artists I've worked with since, which is this kind of supportive, encouraging, creating a space, kind of taking your ego away from it a little bit and trying to, provide platforms I suppose in other other ways for other people's work because I mean I think that's the role of what a curator is Mm. so weirdly like the main role of me or how I see myself is big sister full stop. and then the second role that I really think everything's come down to is this kind of journalistic background and I always describe myself as a journalistic curator so a lot of people coming from more like fine art straight institutionalised curator background I think they probably put together shows quite differently from me mine are quite instinctive often they're quite aesthetically led or like it's really everything. when you're writing a feature you come up with like a theme like I'm going to write about Let's take mushrooms. And then you start thinking, oh, well, I've seen these connections of things out and around, and you place together, let's say five or six artists, and then you can create an argument by the comparison of people's work. I put together exhibitions, books, and articles all in that same process. Some things have a 3D manifestation, exhibitions, or books, but which is the midpoint, as opposed to 3D or virtual, <laughs> and then others are just in text. But I definitely think my approach is really journalistic. So I'm like a big sister, and a hack. <laughs> Those two things, what's, really? the, what's the age
0: difference between you and your
2: sister? I've well, got two sisters. Okay, One yeah. of them's in film and is like okay. seriously killer. I'm the two years, the twins, two years younger than me. Oh, God. So I'm like, yeah. I, and she's
0: London-based?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I live for my sister. They're get married no way. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool, um, so cool. I know. I'm very family-orientated individual anyways. I kind of, it's just how I define myself in yeah, what yeah, ways, yeah. but I remember when my sisters were born when I was three, and was like two, excuse Some me, I remember going my, oh my I remember people looking over into my baby pram and going "gugu goo, goo, gaga," and me going, wow. "Why are they making such weird noises?" <laughs> That's insane. I, mean, I understand what you're saying when I was two, or one and a half. Um, I remember when I was two going to the hospital. In my little, very and uh, very stylish coat, very mu mew, mew, little wool coat with a little velvet collar, <laughs> and thinking, okay, well, you've got two sisters now, and your role is to help take care of them and overlook them. So I would stand over there like playpen to make sure they didn't hurt, get hurt or hurt each other, and stand next to my mom that's when so she would true. feed them. So no, I know no it's ridiculous. sibling rivalry. No, no. I mean, there. I mean, so I may funny. not, I may never even bother to have kids myself. I kind of probably feel like I've done it, yeah. <laughs> but I, I definitely def- have always defined myself. In that kind of nurturing older role, wow. Yeah, it's pretty weird.
0: So I guess our second question is, what have your, what has the most important role been for you and why? But I feel like you've you've really answered that. I mean, on an emotion
2: level, that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, in terms of like work, I've had different opportunities to do things, and I think curatorially, I probably had I, the role of that. I think I've had really nice opportunities to help a lot of artists who haven't had necessarily some options. I don't know, when I was doing so, a house curate collection, which I did for seven years, I've, even though obviously you're working for a really big brand, there are issues that you can have with the concept of a members club, which I totally share. The idea of being able to go to artists who are straight in, in, in college or straight out of college, who are living on frozen pizza and going, I can provide you an opportunity where you could be hanging next to your idols. And give you like enforced luxury essentially, allow them positions where they can eat and take their mum somewhere and go, look, mum, I'm doing okay as an artist. To me, that gave me, I found that really wonderful. I really enjoyed yeah. being able to have that opportunity for a long time. And then through that, also having the opportunity to curate many other shows. So, most notably, Manifesto, when yes. I co-curated the historical exhibition in Zurich for Manif- Manifesto 11, yeah. which was, like, a really big thing to do. It's, like, one of the biggest pioneers in the world. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. You've,
0: you've kind of hit a lot of milestones. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of, like, that TV uh, Got long. a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> and how did it, like, I'm curious... You know, if it was self-made, like, was there a moment, a tipping point, where you're like, okay, I got, this is what I want to do? Or is that something that's constantly evolving No,
2: never. I've always fallen into every single thing I've ever done. Yeah. When I first, I did History of Art at university, never expected to use it, just loved the subject. When I left, I was working in a book publisher picture recent, in the picture, picture, like we needed a 1940s woman with cleavage for a book cover. I would do it in an hour and then I would sit there for the rest of the week with no work at all, bored and actually feeling stupid because I was like, well, if I haven't got a way of putting my energy out there, I must be thick. I know this is really weird logic. So after a year and a half, I was so miserable doing this. I was like, I have to leave. So I phoned up Data Confused and I went to the editorial assistant at the time, like, I want your job. How did you get it? Like, that straightforward to a stranger. Not surprisingly, she remembered me on the phone from this. (laughs) And I basically ended up doing work experience long term, like a year, like a few days a week, which again, really unusual. Most internships were like two weeks. And then I would do other jobs at the same time doing like temping work. Um, and I used to say one thing I never wanted to be was a journalist. <laughs> so I fell into that. And then when I started doing curation work, I just was having. I you just wanted to do some
0: shows. Up. Yeah,
2: I just my first show ever. It took two years to put together. I was thinking it was like reworking my postcard collection. I just kind of fell into it.
0: When was I ended that shown?
2: it was it was on Rivington Street years ago. It was really fun. It was sixty nine different artists, and I got them all to work on top of different postcards from of like naked bodies by like, amazing artists in that it was really fun but i had no idea like how to put on a show i didn't know anything i didn't even really know the art world i fell into the art world i don't think anyone teaches you about contemporary art I didn't go to straight art school, I went to, I did university, yeah. I mean I did my dissertation on 1930s surrealism, that's not going to help you a lot, yeah. Um, so yeah, no I, I kind of, I fell into everything, I fell into curation, every, every job I've gotten was kind of through just meeting someone randomly and going do you want to do this, I'm like sure. I don't feel like I've consciously gone, I want to do that. That's what I'm going to do by the time I'm like 25. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way.
0: So that
1: leads that. into our next question quite well, which is who were your role models growing up mm, and who are they now?
2: I mean, it's really and when interesting. when did that to you. Mm, I don't know. It's really funny, like thinking, who do you look up to? It's such a like, I never felt like there was, I didn't, I was never connected. I mean, I'm from London. Like, I always, I think being from London or maybe being from cities, you kind of have to hustle. So I'm definitely a hustler, I definitely felt that. I mean, there are definitely like older female journalists who've moved into curation and written books, people like Emily King and Alice Rawthorn and Jennifer Higgy, and, like, some, like, amazing writer, curator, editors that I have huge respect for. And to an extent, they're kind of my role models. But at the same time, I don't feel like I have their career. I feel like I'm somewhere else in that sense, you know what I mean? I've never... Because I, I, I've always freelanced. Yeah. I've never really... I never got off the right job. Um. I think my role models when I was younger... God, I mean, I was really... Like people from old movies, probably like 1940s film heroines. I was really into Rita Hayworth. She was stunning. However, having listened to the You Must Remember This podcast about Rita Hayworth's life, bloody hell, it was horrible. So, not her anymore. Um, Wait, I haven't
0: heard this. Oh my God, it's one of
2: the best podcasts on the face of the earth. You will become addicted. It's Wait, incredible. It you must remember this. like You
0: must remember this. Yeah, like Christina like a... no, no, no. I will, I will. I'm ready. No, no, no. That's the name of it. Um,
2: yeah, Christina Longworth, I think is her name. Puts together. She is definitely a role model. What a bloody great journalist yeah. she is! Great research, impeccably structured. I mean, I've grown to really love radio. I love doing my NTS show. Yeah, it's my favorite thing it. that it's I'm so doing. Cool. Oh, thank you. Is I,
0: it so? Is that based in, yeah, it's just in, in Austin? Yeah, I in Austin. square.
2: Yeah, cool. Do it in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. honestly like out of th- anything I'm doing at the moment. I think it's like the perfect manifestation of my interests. Mm. Like it's. I get to combine music and art, include artists that I'm really into, show how much music is an influence on everyone beyond that. I think that's such a powerful thing to do and it's really fun. It's
0: also nice to kind of demystify, I think, art world in that way to kind of be like there's these things that have been that are on these pedestals but actually as an artist there's you know you are more than just like what you end up showing in
2: a museum like I, I also want to make art accessible i mean yeah if i think about the one thing that defines everything i've ever done so i want to make culture in an art in particular accessible to as broad an audience as possible like anyone everyone I, if you go oh i don't like contemporary art or i feel a bit weird about going into a gallery i want them to go no, it's like going into a changing room. Sure, I'll check yeah. it out you know, and feel comfortable or interested. And if I can, in some tiny little way, be like a big finger pointing at something and people go, wow, I never knew anything about that artist or that, or that record or whatever, yeah. then that's an amazing privilege to be in. That Great, makes yeah. me excited. That makes me happy, yeah. you know, in that terms of it. Totally. yeah, I think it's hard as a girl growing up with role models. I don't feel like when I was growing up there was like obvious choices of what to do. I mean, Madonna. Was Madonna a role model for me? I don't know. Maybe she was definitely powerful in some way. I think, but I think it just came down to the fact that I just liked the music when I was mm. ten, rather than I thought when I grow up I'm going to be like that. Yeah. And I think that's definitely something that's changed generationally. I think there's a lot more presence of younger, cool women doing things.
1: I think a lot of people that we've spoken to, um, who have all been girls, but have all, most of them have kind of said that their role models yeah. are more of. Like personification of an emotion or like you know maybe madonna being empowered was what you looked yeah. up to and not madonna as a person so no. because as like you say there wasn't anyone in the field that you associated with doing anything or having any kind of you know outlet or being celebrity so you could you couldn't access him in the way that other people could so what? i think yeah, I, mean, I think that's
2: definitely part. Of it. I remember I was when I was studying, like I read Laura Mulvey's amazing essay, visual. Sorry, narrative pleasures, visual. Oh my god, it's terrible. I've got to look it up. Laura Mulvey's best known piece. But looking at this whole time, I, I did a lot of research about the idea of why do women idolise other women in life movies or film, particularly in movies, because what's different with the way women look at women on screen? Because we don't want to... It's not desiring our ownership in the same way as, let's say, a heterosexual male gaze, Um, but it's more like wanting to become them in some way or embody them. I mean, it can be desire, but in my case, it's not desire in the same way. And I think that's something really interesting there, like working at how women look at other women. And I think that probably is very much connected to the idea of what a role model is. Like, how do you work out where you want to be in the world? And I feel really bad. I think there's definitely this terrible move towards, at least for a long period, of like a really hyper sexualized role models and I think that's kind of sad when you're like even up to the age of 15 even up to the age of 20 maybe that you feel like the only way that you can gain presence cult, like in the world is through being getting your tits out wearing a skirt or whatever I think it's got to be I, I want to have different kinds of ways of presenting yourself I mean I used to, I mean I used to like looking at supermodels in magazines I, I was already reading Vogue when I was like 13 and I remember I always really liked Linda Evangelista <laughs> because she had a big nose. And I was like, wow, look at her. She's got like a big nose. She's like, and she looks amazing. she do whatever she wants, but I never felt like it was like- so
0: That's what you wanted to be. I
2: never felt like it was nakedness. Do you know what I mean? I never felt like it was pornographic. Right, right, right. It was more like, I'm beautiful in this kind of Sophia Loren, hyper fifties, otherworldly way and I know it. And I found that really, Amazing, yeah. the idea you could be like that. I mean, I was a nerd in hand-me-down clothing, with my hair in a bun and bad NHS glasses. <laughs> I was not looking my best in those years. I like to hope I've improved, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I think the whole, co- I think I think your, the whole basis of what you're doing is really interesting. Like even thinking, like who do you look up to? like
0: you know, i mean it's and it's funny because it, i mean you've said it changes so much like there's some people who are like oh literally none or some who really go to the family story, like my parents you know and how you were brought up and others that really go full fantasy and it, it's i think that's it's always changeable mm-hmm. i think it's something that Lewis and i've discussed a lot is, is that even well for me at least the last five years i feel like that's changed so much mm-hmm. um and it's also how much importance you give to role models. I think there's also that sense, like, you to be like, you know, you can look and inspire or you know, be inspired by people but still feel like you have your own path and they're not necessarily... I mean,
2: if I'm, if I'm thinking about, like, that really transitional period when you're, like, 12, 13, it was salt and pepper and Naina Cherry. It was really Nana Cherry, actually. Because, and, and, and in the same way that I look at, like, someone like Shariah J. And now, like, the idea of these kind of tomboyish girls writing their music really strong in what they do. I think actually that's what we all wanted to be. Yeah. I think I want I, and I felt like it wasn't like totally inaccessible. There was such a coolness yeah. to what those girls were doing. I still I still I think there's a huge coolness to what yeah. they're doing. I mean, help someone's told me they were listening to a salt and pepper interview recently and they were pregnant while they were on tour yeah. Yeah, and they didn't tell so their manager at... yeah. during it's that one. first yeah. like record, and that's insane! Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and they looked incredible, right? just like the idea of like not wanting to change who you were for a market, which I know Whitney Houston apparently was really, ha- had that happen to her, she had to be blandified for a mainstream American market and would complain about it a lot. Apparently that really comes out in the new documentary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like tomboyish girls. That's, I I, I want, I actually had like more of a presence of tomboyish girls. I wish Rihanna could be just like straight tomboyish. Which she kind, of, kind of I feel like she sometimes. is as an individual, I really. think more and more, yeah. especially
0: with the look, the like the baggier thing, like R- RiRi's done a lot of great stuff yeah. recently. She's, I'm, I mean, I'm obsessed with Rihanna.
2: Well, maybe she's actually more like that, but she's kind of been put in this hyper package. Mm-hmm. Because it's usually men running the music industry, yeah. you know, like for a really mainstream yeah. sexualized society, used to consuming bodies through our phones, yeah. you know, or through screens mm-hmm. in some way. But yeah, no. I want more tomboyish girls in the world to go, you're so cool. Yeah. And I actually think that's sexier, but I also just think it's more interesting. Like, but yeah, Naina Cherry, we all looked up to Naina Cherry. I still know those lyrics, because you (laughs) know (laughs) what I mean? And and I, and you could never be her because she was such an individual, but at the same time I mean and I also love reading about these people afterwards and finding out that they were like door girls at cool clubs when they were younger and <laughs> there's something like I, that's just such an amazing I don't know, I like all of that.
0: So what thinking of, of these people that you've you've talked about, how do you like looking up to them, what effect do you think that had on you?
2: I think the one thing, and maybe it was because I went to school in America, primary school.
0: In America? Yeah, yeah.
2: Where? LA for two years and then Woodstock, upstate New York for the age of five till ten. I think, and maybe, I think that experience and those kind of tomboyish girls, I think what it made me is, I never had a problem saying what I thought. Maybe that's also because I went to, I was like a scholarship girl to a girl's school. And so I, I wasn't too worried about like what boys thought. I, I've never had any problem saying what I thought and being upfront about myself. People always think I'm taller because I've got a big mouth basically. <laughs> um, and I think that's basically a huge thing because you become, what i become aware of as i become older is how women self-edit like, why are there not more female artists? And I think for a long period of time, it was because women were like going, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm gonna work behind the scenes. So you, every, all the curators, all the production people, in film, in, like, in, in the art world, and a lot of creative industry things are often women, badly credited, actually doing most of the work with less sort of unionization, less representation, a hell of a lot less credit which I'm very much against at this point in time. Mm. And I think that's really... Yeah. But then you realise, like, a lot of girls, even still, find it hard to say what, like, just make themselves present. or well, that it's unfortunate that they have to, really. Yeah. You know? And I'm not saying this in, like... I mean, I do consider myself feminist, and that's an amazing thing, because when I was younger, no-one was saying those words. It was like... It just didn't feel... It. It was round in the same way. It was more like ladettes or whatever when I was younger. Um, which was like, hi, boy, I can drink as much beer as you, yeah, you know, which yeah. is a weird definition of what femininity is. Yeah. Um, but like, I think like, I mean, I definitely like being a girl, but I think there's nothing wrong with having a big mouth and being a girl too. Yeah. Yeah. So basically I like girls with oomph. Yeah. So this. Yes, so I think I think all of those women as role models, I think that's what they... They all said what they believed. And maybe having an American childhood had allowed me to do that more because I think culturally, American women are allowed to be a little louder. Yeah. Shall we say it that way? A little bit more...
0: Well, certainly in L.A. and New York. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm Jewish.
2: Let's be honest. That's definitely part <laughs> of it, too. You know what I mean? We're not... You know, there's the, there's the Jewish mother thing Noelle of. Flower. You're kind of talked, the, the word why is inbuilt into you, like, so why is this? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, probably yeah. the basis of that religion, though I wasn't brought up remotely religiously. Yeah. But it definitely, in terms of That's it, why the, you were the questioning.
0: <laughs> well, my, also,
2: my mother was a writer. Uh,
1: okay. And maybe.
2: I think actually the fact, I mean, my mum is a huge role model to me. My mum's amazing. But my mum started, became, she's written. She writes cookbooks. She's got uh, one coming out in October, in fact. And she didn't actually; she had never had a journalistic background. She basically just wrote books and got agents. And she's no spring chicken now, and she's got another agent and she's got another book coming out. And I think the fact that my mother wrote books made the idea of writing books feel like, oh, if my mom totally did that. I could that you do that. Do... It doesn't feel like, oh, that's too hard. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It felt like, oh, if my mom can do it, I can do it. You know, it, it felt accessible. Yeah, basically. I suppose that's why people follow in the footsteps of whatever their parents do. So you've you got
0: know. that point of reference. Yeah, she's
2: also, I things. also get her to sub-edit all my books. Really? She's the best sub-editor on the face of the earth. She's so Keeping she, it in the family. I know. She's almost like she likes it with like, it's almost like she thinks of it like a crossword puzzle. Uh, she like goes, mm, that full stop is in the wrong position. And she's kind of old school enough and had an old school education that she's like, yeah, she really gets off on it.
1: I love
2: so, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm very family, aren't I? That's so good. I'm 19th century immigrant, really. You guys yeah. really
0: make it good with everyone, but everyone does between. Uh, like, what does what your? So one of your sisters is a filmmaker. She, and yeah, you, she, and,
2: uh, she, she works at Sky now in the okay. drama department. But before she was, she's a line producer basically, wow. and she's so she's worked in film and TV for years. She's got umph. Yes. Bianca's not lacking. <laughs> she's got like she. I mean, she deals with major budgets, yeah. you know, and she's really good with numbers. She's got like a lawyer's brain. She's very, very smart. And also like the best person at yoga I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And kind of
2: hippie too. I mean, we did grow up in Woodstock. So yeah. Yeah, no, we're all really close. I've got a very, it's a very, but maybe because I moved around so much when I was younger, I don't know, it's sort of the fam, my family, comes up a lot in conversation yeah for me it comes like in in fact most it's probably one of the first questions people ask me who know me so how's your mom how are your sisters yeah because that's such an intertwined part of what my identity is yeah really it really is so maybe it's maybe it's not even like the individuals as role models in that sense it was like
0: this you hump, yeah, This kind of thing. It's like a baby
2: socialist grouping of some kind. It's I don't know. And a lot of people don't have don't family know, in a no. sense anymore, no. do they? I don't think so. I mean, it
1: surprises me when I meet someone and they're like, oh, I haven't spoken to my sibling for X amount of time. Like, I live in the same street as my sister.
2: Oh, how lovely! That's um, a dream for me! You know,
1: like it's. It's just nice to have that support. And yeah. when someone doesn't have that relationship, I I, I do judge them slightly, or see them differently, because, I don't know, it's just...
2: Well, for me, it's something a sign of, it's like... It's, it's a bit sad. Yeah. Or well, maybe this you wonder if, if there's, like, something's happened that they... Yeah, exactly, in, Cause that's in the same, their... because it
1: seems so alien yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems very... Bizarre, and I, I automatically want to know why that's the case. Yeah. And it's just, like you say, just some people just don't have that.
2: What's really interesting, my sister's, her twins. One of them's getting married to another twin. No, so no. yeah, yeah, which is fascinating. Right. I know. So Who's continue. also creative. He's an amazing filmmaker and photographer. Um, so that's kind of the wedding,
0: of, uh, are gonna be so the wedding pictures are going to be. The wedding pictures. it would be a
2: beautiful wedding, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but what's so interesting is this attraction towards other people who kind of understand a dynamic that's different. Yeah. That your family is... It's okay for your family to be part of your life. And you don't have to assert your, like, independence from someone. But I think that's... In my case, it's definitely, like... Somehow, like, third-generation immigration. thing, Where you're kind of used to having to create your own unit in some way and be yeah. thrown into a different place and go okay well i i move here now yeah, yeah, i mean i think it's very it's very much like and it's quite normal in america and, and and for london i think yeah, yeah. and i'm very much Londoner yeah. in that sense
0: did you grow up in north london yeah i'm a north yeah. london girl yeah, yeah.
2: so I, I went to school off oxford street till i was 16. Oh, no, it- behind john lewis so i mean really my mum my grew up in like bayswater my grandfather grew up in Whitechapel. Um, but yeah, but I've lived in of them since I was um, like, so like 10. Um, but we were born down in Fulham, so yeah
0: okay, okay. yeah no it's it's I mean it must be nice to be from to live in a city where you're from I've I've moved around my entire life and this is the longest place I've ever lived anywhere yeah. but I always envy people from London that have really grown nice. up in London I mean or New York. Yeah. I mean
2: it's amazing and I don't meet that many people yeah. who nice. are yeah. and and it's great and you think you know what I mean you get it yeah I mean because it's Listen, there are many issues that are wrong with London. The gentrification has fucked up a lot. I hate what's happening in terms of it's like giant swathes of the city are being knocked down and turned into luxury apartments for people who don't even live here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking if you're from the city. But I know it like a taxi driver. I mean, I was living in Berlin for a year and I go to Berlin a lot. Yeah. And I have a really strong connection to the city. I mean, for like Same. seven years I've been going back a lot. Yeah. So many friends there. I think I might have met you in Berlin. You're really yeah. familiar looking <laughs> <to me." laughs> Some no seriously, out. I was like, I you yeah. <laughs> me, like an 32 c party? Oh, <laughs> um, and then, but and it's the only other place from London that I ever wanted to be. But interesting, I'm friends with a lot of Berliners from Berlin, and we're like, oh yeah, you get it. You know, being from your city, it's something yeah, else. It
0: really yeah. Obvious. Yeah, I'm really envious of that. And like that confidence of like walking in London with London, it's a different thing. It's like going to any little, like when I, I just basically walk with Lewis on like 50 miles an hour and like just trust him implicitly, we'll get to the quickest place because yeah. he just knows it. It's really nice. I know,
2: I know. Like The tube system, I find it, everyone who's not from London finds the tube system exhausting. I, know, I find it fantastic. relaxing because I know exactly where I'm going. I don't really have to pay attention. I know which area on the platform to stand. But also I feel that there's so many different Londons. Like, I mean, I went to school in Hammersmith for A-levels, which is like, I would have to get up at 6.30, to leave at 7.30, to be there at 8.30. I would never do anything like that now. And then I would work, like, I worked in Covent Garden and on Old Street and then like Tom Court Road, and then i the a freelancer for years. I don't know, yeah, I know like, I've hung out East London and Soho, but then kind of juggled East London and Soho for my social life for a really long time, yeah. so I still love Soho. And I think it's such an amazing part
0: of yeah.
1: I think think I think like when you grow up in London you're taught from a really young age, like those savvy things. You learn like where to get on the tube. Yeah. What's the quickest way? And it's like if you do this on a Monday, it's cheaper. Yeah. If you do this it's better. And it's like it's not even just being aware of the city, it's like it helps you kind of decipher the easiest and the quickest way and the best way of doing things. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes when I go somewhere that's like, it's really easy and relaxed, that stresses me out more. Yes. Because I'm like
2: Well, I I think
1: part of...
2: I mean, London's not as bad as, let's say, New York, in terms of the bang, 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 bang of it. But it's a fast-paced beat. It's big, you know? Well,
0: that's what I felt when I was in Paris. I really felt like someone just, like, turned the volume. Yes. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I
2: mean, try Berlin. Berlin's tiny, comparatively. And I definitely went there to slow myself down. But then after a while, I'm like... "I, I, I, I think the adrenaline of being somewhere where... There is, I mean, I, I, Art Night was last night. I could go out till four o'clock in the morning looking at art. Like, there's always something you could do, even if you don't do anything. Yeah. It's, it's. I, I mean, I find that an incredible opportunity. Yeah. We're really lucky. Also, yes.
1: the influx of people yeah. in London is something I've always really enjoyed. Is that yeah. you constantly want to meet new people, and yeah. you can, and mm-hmm. they're coming to your doorstep. So, yeah. you don't have to leave your house no. without meeting people. New people every day. No, yeah, you're right. I
2: I meet people all the time, and a lot of my friends come from other countries, stay here for a while, and admittedly move back to where they're from. Mm. So, but however, is that you end up with this kind of like, oh, I have amazingly close friends in Stockholm and Copenhagen and Paris and New
1: York. Great for holidays. I know. Yes, (laughs) and And Oslo.
0: Yeah, and you can travel really easily. Yeah, but 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 for me, like.
2: The future of my life, where do I really see myself being a grumpy old lady, having a coffee, going, Excuse me, I have a seat there every day at Cafe nero do you mind moving? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's London. <laughs> and and if I'm gonna be even more particular, it's really North London. Yeah. If I could be there. Um, you know, but I'd be alright I'd be all right in West One. I can yeah. handle Zone One. They just Absolutely. need to make it a little less polluted. They yeah. yeah. need steal the pollution
0: in it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's it's true. That's true. Um, last question, but I think I'm, I think we might have answered it. But do you think role models are important? Close it up? Yes, I think role
2: models are really important. I particularly think
0: when you're really young,
2: in like when you're in primary school, for like five year, five to eight year old, or whatever, I think that it's, it's so important that we see a media that is showing like. People that aren't white, male and middle class in the public eye. I think it is incredibly important that you see there are opportunities to become things in a variety of different aspects. I went to an amazing kindergarten when I was in Los Angeles and every single like week or two weeks you'd pick a different country in the world and you'd learn about its culture, its food, its music, what it looked like and you'd have people's parents from all those countries come in, talk about their background, maybe make something to eat. And I think that might have been one of the best experiences I've ever had. So this is the age of five.
0: We did that in ours too. It's
2: and it was amazing.
0: So you come in like full traditional wear and like, and as a kid you were so proud if there was your parents because oh. you could share that culture. I mean,
2: I think like, that's really what we need out of education. And then you become aware of like, and, I, and I'd like to see the same thing in terms of job positioning. Like, like this, if, if you take art, for example, Kerry James Marshall, who's now an amazingly well-known painter, who's been working for years, went as a kid to LACMA and saw the paintings of Barclay J. Hendricks, who is an incredible painter and said, I want to do that when I grow up. So you need to see that there are people who are female and aren't white and aren't from a certain, like the 4% who went to Eton and Oxbridge and see them in the public eye doing important, interesting things. So you know it's an option. And I find that I think, so yes, do I think role models are important? I think they're vital and particularly vital the younger people are because that's when you're forming really that's when you think because you want to be aiming high and like let's be honest we live in a really difficult financial period in time where there's a huge disparity of wealth and a lot of parents can't be at home to take care of their kids and they're working i mean i don't know how you can have the opportunity to be a, a mom staying at home with your kids or a dad staying home with your kids anymore And so providing role models where you're seeing opportunities that are beyond the capitalist machine, I think is really, really important. I know I saw something amazing on the on the news the other day of this guy who does he's a dentist who does dent he gives dentistry for free to homeless people in manchester wow wasn't that amazing and i just thought i i want to see more people doing things that you would never know about that are inspiring so yes role models are are fabulous i'd love to do more things with like schools actually to be honest like i often every once in a while i'll get approached by a girl usually girls out of the blue by email going can yeah. I work with you and hands down I will always say yes sure because you've had the op- you've had the Pittsburgh to like email me out of the blue and you don't same way that you
1: could have Dave yeah seriously
2: and you know what I, I always like give them writing opportunities yeah. or i'm happy to give any connections like how can i be helpful because i didn't know anyone when i began and i think i any you know but i really believe in like if you're in a position where like you can help anyone even with like a contact or like oh you should go to that you'll find it interesting or you might need something then isn't that the point yeah it's a don't be greedy yeah no it's so. you
0: know?
1: the girls with them.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm into girls. With, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh, no, I no, There's no. a really. Have you come across G I R L recently? It's amazing.
0: Yes, with um, the you were interviewed. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So this yeah. girl Kaddish, she yeah, puts yeah, this yeah. together, and that's she's an actually amazing on our list. Oh, we please do it. Yeah. She's incredible.
1: I to... mean, um, she's yeah. great. That's such a good name. Maybe. Yeah, G I R L. I know. And the people actually Janelle as well was. So there's
0: another. So like a woman who well, runs Chris in, okay. uh, in Dawson, that cactus shop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's so cool, but she was also interviewed by them. And like, so we've got a little running list of I mean, really right. kick-ass chicks. Yeah, We'd yeah. like some more men.
1: We've only done women.
2: Okay, well, I'm men. sure I can think
0: of some good boys for you. Yeah. They are out there. A lot of them are no, saying too, too. no. We've approached yeah. a few people. I think there's shy, there's some shy.
1: Really? It's, it's, I think that's something that's really interesting. Wow. Because that's I think a lot of men, yeah. men are like, I don't want to talk about myself. Wow.
0: In that way? Mm-hmm. In that way. Because we're not oh, talking about really? like your work but
1: as a painter or your work as I a I think judge. it is something to do with some sort of male arrogance to say that I haven't had, I haven't had a role model, like I haven't oh, had a guardian yeah, yeah. hand. I just it's like, my I ego just, who led just, me here. Just, yeah. I was just created amazing and yeah. great, and this is who I am. That's you what know? I blame my mother. Well and I really do. I do think a lot of yeah. people are quite scared of doing it. Like we have, we've had some people say no for that reason, yeah. and then we've had some people who just oh, seem to be pushing it off and then not doing like, we it. We want to do it, yeah, but do it's
0: it, it, like, it feels like a big
2: step for them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's really interesting. Women know a lot more full time about doing it. Well, I'm happy to give you any suggestions
2: that's remotely helpful. So yeah, super
1: helpful. Amazing.
2: Um, yeah that's really fascinating
0: thank you so much thank you oh, it's okay it's so
2: my pleasure oh, yeah. totally my pleasure. That was great.